That's what I want us to look at today. Love where you live. Um, you know, our lives are full of all sorts of rules, um, rules to live by. Um, many of you have uh, a set list of, of rules, things that you go by in your life. Well, back in Jesus's day, there were a lot of uh, people who uh, lived by rules. Um, a lot of the religious people lived by rules. Um, um, Jesus came in, in contact with a bunch of people who were big on rules, so much so that uh, they, they would push him and pressure him and test him on things. Well, Matthew 22 has an account, a story of, of one of these uh, interactions between a, a, a religious zealot, you could say, a Pharisee, and Jesus. And uh, this is what Matthew gives account to in verse 34 of Matthew 22. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced, Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert of the religious law, tried to trap him with this question. And this, uh, this part of scripture is probably familiar to a lot of us. And in verse 36, it says, teacher, which is the most important commandment or which is the most important law in the law of Moses or the rule in the law of Moses? It's a common question for all of us. You know, okay, boil it down. Bring it down. You know, I've heard a lot of this. Uh, just what's the one thing? Tell, tell me, what's the one thing that I need to hone in and focus on? And this is what they're pressing, pressing Jesus on. So, so Jesus responds, and in verse 37, he says this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And he says, this is the first and greatest command. This is number one. And you can you see the Pharisees and Sadducees are nodding their head, and they're, they're going, okay, check that box off. And for many of us, we read through this and we go, okay, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And we say, awesome, yes, we can do that. We come into worship and we worship God. We, we sing, uh, we, we, we serve the Lord and, and our focus and our attention is on Him. And that's the, the number one priority of our life. We check off that box. And then, and then we, we move on and... and in, in true 21st century um, uh, uh, ADD mode, we get kind of scanning and scouring for other things to, to add to it. And, and we jump on ahead and many of us would, would probably jump over to Mark 16 and, and, and we go, okay, we now we've loved the Lord our God with all heart, soul, mind, strength. And now we go and we preach the gospel uh, and go in the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And we got this part down. And yes, all right, it's, it's what we do in church. We come in and we worship and then we do what? We, uh, we mobilize and we go and we got our checklist and we got to preach the gospel and people need to know about Jesus and, and, and we, we have to make it happen. Well, this is what, what we do. We think that this is what church is all about. This is what our lives as Christians are all about. And, and every church is like that aiming to please God. Come in, worship, focus our eyes on Him, and then go out and preach the gospel. Stand on that soapbox and let people know. We gather for worship, we show devotion, we engage with God, and then we go tell. 
It's what we get in the habit of, of doing. And, and all along, this is our lives. This is what I grew up doing. Okay, you come in, you focus on God, you, you, you pay attention to God, you give Him your worship, and you learn more about Him, and then you go out and you do, right? Well, if we jump back to Matthew 22, what Jesus was saying was not love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, go and preach the gospel. What was he saying? We miss, often miss, part two of what Jesus was saying. Pick it up in verse 39. He says, and the second one is like it. The second law, the second rule of greatest importance is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. He goes on to say, all the law and prophets hang on these two commands, not just one, not just part A, but part A and part B. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think the Pharisees and Sadducees were nodding at part A, and then part B got a little complicated. They had all sorts of ideas of what neighbor meant. We're going to be hearing a little bit about that next week when Jonathan comes up and, and, and takes us through Scripture. They had all sorts of ideas of what neighbor meant. They had a difficult time with chapter 2. But I believe that this is a, a, a re-emphasis for us as a church. Love where you live. And when we talk about love where you live, I'm not saying, hey, uh, we all need to love our neighborhood. You know, just sit back on your front porch one day and just take it all in and say, I love my tree and I love my street. And, you know, Decatur's a pretty cool place. You know, it's kind of city, kind of not. We're rural and yet we're close enough to this. I love where I live. That's, That's not the idea behind loving where we live. It's being the conduits of Christ's love in us and through us right where we live. You know, it's so easy to go and preach the gospel. And what does that mean? It's it's really arbitrary, isn't it? How do we do that? What do we, we talk often about this here at Crossroads. How do we boil it down and get practical and truly hear the heart of God and let it affect us how we live out our lives? There's a, a farmer and uh, he had uh, uh, um, his, his farmhouse and uh, you know, his barns and he had all sorts of, of livestock and, and animals around. And, and one evening he, uh, he, he was starting to panic a little bit because there was a, a winter storm that was coming in. And it was coming in quick. It was, uh, was going to be a blizzard. The, the temperatures were dropping by the minute. And uh, so he got all his animals, he closed up the barn, he, he got everything secure, he gets into his house, closes the door, and, and starts a fire, and, and he settles in for the, for the night. And, and this farmer, uh, you know, he acknowledged God, he, he, but he, he, it was just a long way off for him. You know, God to him was kind of an arm's reach. Uh, he knew of God, but he, he really didn't care for him a whole lot. And this farmer, as he settled down for the night, the fire's on, and he's, he's sitting in his, his easy chair, he's leaning back, when all of a sudden, he hears two thuds on the front picture frame window, a picture window in his living room. 
And as, as he, he raced out to the, the window to look out, it, it, darkness had fallen and he, he had a hard time looking and seeing and the, the, the snow was flying already and, and he couldn't see what had gone on, what had in fact hit his window. He went over to his front door and he, he opened up the door and he peered out and by the, the light that was shining through his front window, he, he could just barely see through the, the wind and the, the, the snow that was blowing, he could barely see that something was moving. So he went in inside and he, he got his coat on and he, he raced out to his front yard to find a flock of geese that had landed in his front yard. Two of them, in fact, had hit the picture window in the front of his house. All he could assume was that this flock of geese had been flying south and this storm had, had, had come in and it, it basically grounded them in his front, front yard, in his front pasture. He's, he's scrambling, he's an animal lover, he's a farmer, he, he's, he's, he's distressed at how he can care for these animals, how he can save them. This, they were, if they stayed where they were, they were going to freeze overnight, the temperature was going to drop and they weren't going to survive. He's thinking, he's wondering, what can he do, what can he do, what can he do? And, and he, he got an idea, well, he's got a barn, and the barn is warm, and, and they, if he could only get this flock of geese into his barn, they'd, they'd be able to weather the storm and, and, and make it through. So he went over to his barn, and he, he opened up the, the, the big, huge doors. He turned on a light inside, and, and he, he stepped back, hoping that, that just one or, or two of these geese would begin moving in the right direction and the rest would follow and they'd be safe in his barn. And they didn't move. They just kept kind of fluttering around and flapping around in his, in his front yard. And so he, he kind of came around on the house side and he, he began to, to try to nudge them closer and they, they would just scatter to the left and to the right. He got an idea, maybe they're hungry. And he, so he went into the, the house and he got a loaf of bread and he, he got out there and he started tearing off pieces of the bread and, and putting it down and trying to lead them over to the, the door to the barn. And they'd pick up a few pieces, but that was it. They wouldn't follow and they wouldn't go. He started to, to try to shoo them in, but they'd scatter all the morning. He was getting frustrated and he was... It, 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 Time was passing and, and he was getting more and more desperate and he just didn't know what to do. And right there in his frustration, he just called out and he said, why, why, why won't they listen to me? And if only I could be a goose and get down there and tell them personally which way they needed to go and how to get out of this storm. And right then and there, he stopped. And it dawned on him this whole time his understanding of who God was and his opinion of what God had done and, and the idea that, that he thought at one time was the most ridiculous story that he'd ever heard of this God in heaven who would send a son to earth in human form to save men and women out of the storm that they were in. And it hit him right in that moment. You see, each and every one of us, at one point in our lives, we're in a storm. Each and every one of us, at a certain point of our lives, we're helpless and hopeless with absolutely no life and no future. And yet God sent His Son, Jesus, in human form, 
as a sacrifice that we would have life and we wouldn't die, we wouldn't perish, we wouldn't succumb to the storm that we were in called sin, but we would be saved and we would have eternal life. John 3 says, God loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world. I love John 1.14, especially the message version. Get this, it says, the word, the living word, Jesus became flesh. And what did he do? Moved into the neighborhood. I love that. Many of you know John 1.14, as the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The writer of the message, Eugene Peterson, wrote it this way, moved into the neighborhood. Isn't that a great picture? The Word became flesh. God sent His Son in human form and moved into the neighborhood. That's what Jesus did. This is our model. So when Jesus turned to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you're called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second command is unto it, is like it. The word that he used there is homogenous. It's this, the same. There's no difference. It's not like black and white. It's not like red and blue. It's, it's not like a penny and a nickel. No, those are different. It's not like the first part is different from the second. He says the two are the same. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And the same thing is, the same expression of your love for God is your love for your neighbor. Same thing. So why do we as a church run on to the, hey, we got to go preach the gospel. Now, hear me, that's important. It is. But why do we bypass the basic part two of what Jesus told us to do? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. I believe that you are God's primary mechanism through which salvation will come to other people. Let me say that again in case you missed it. I believe that you are the prime mechanism through which God wants to use to reach people and bring salvation to them. That's massive. You are the prime mechanism that God wants to use in other people's lives. How does that play out? How has that played out? Scan your life over the past five days, five weeks, five months. How is God using you to impact your neighbor? Next week, we're going to talk about who is my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Because once again, we can get so arbitrary. We can get so, just so, okay, conceptual. Yes, my neighbor. Yes, that person and that, well... And we just kind of conceptualize it out of practicality. This is the start of, I believe, a reminder for us as a church. A church that says everyone matters. It's a, a good reminder for us. What does that mean? God has chosen you to live out his priorities in a vertical relationship with him, but also a horizontal relationship with those around you.
You know, Jesus in Luke 10, 37, we're going to be looking at Luke 10 next week, the parable of the Good Samaritan. At the very end of this conversation where Jesus asks and answers the question about the neighbor, he, he finishes by saying, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Caring for your neighbor. And so over these next six weeks, what does this mean? Here's the thing. We're going to learn and we're going to grow and collectively we're going to have a posture of, God, what do you have, a, have for us and how do you want us to, to uh, assimilate this and chew on this? We're going to jump into some opportunities to learn and to grow together. There's going to be some opportunity, not just on Sunday mornings, uh, but you'll notice in your bulletin, I, I told you we were going to get back to this a little later. Uh, love where you live, right as it sits right now, 246, 246, 8 life groups that are going to be going through a curriculum, going through a, a life group study. There's some videos and, and some, uh, um, just some conversations that will be had in life group settings. Uh, there's a larger one that's going to be meeting down at the Civic Center starting on Wednesday. Um, there's some contact information there. I'd encourage you to get a part of a life group, a class that will be taught on Wednesdays as well that uh, you can get involved in and get connected with. Having that posture of what does this mean and what does this look like? To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. Here's where we're going with this. Um, elders and I have talked and pastors and I have talked and it's really at our heart and we believe that this isn't just a flash in the pan campaign that we hit for six weeks and forget about and never return to. This is really a part of who we are as a body, as a, as a congregation. And this is something that we want to live out, something that we're going to return to often. And one event this year that we're heading toward, and it's six weeks from today, that we are going to, uh, at this point, our desire is that it would be a yearly event. You know, we talk about, uh, it was funny, even after the first service, I got talking to a couple and uh, they're new to Crossroads, and we got talking about just how um, different Crossroads is. And the thing that they brought up was uh, the word spontaneous. Uh, we have a plan, we have a structure, we have a, 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 a direction we're going, but we're open to listen to the Holy Spirit and respond to Him. You, you guys feel that? You guys sense that? Hopefully you do. Here's one thing, and, and for those of you who are, are our crossroaders, uh, and you've been a part of church for a little while, you, you kind of know this, is a part of being spontaneous is, is responding even when it's uncomfortable. And I tell you, this event that's coming up in six weeks, when I first heard about it, my first response was, how are we going to do that? And I'm just thinking through the logistics of stuff, and I'm going, oh my God. Uh, and talk about uncomfortable. But I 100%, I know this is what God's leading us to. Six weeks from today, we're not going to have a Sunday morning service. And everyone went, <gasps> including the pastor. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to call it Serve Sunday. And we're going to serve our neighbors. We're going to serve our community. Um, the way it's going to look, um, we understand there's going to be 
guests and visitors who are going to come and they won't know anything about it. And we're going to have some things here at the church to be able to do. Some things that we can put together, some gift packages, maybe even putting some things together for our, our uh, first responders, for our police and our, our, uh, our firemen and others around uh, the city. But that morning too, um, and over the next number of weeks, we're going to have uh, boards in the back of the sanctuary here, and you're going to be able to sign yourself and your family and whoever your friends together. We're going to have projects. Um, some people in our city need uh, a wheelchair ramp built on the front of their house. Um, some people are going to need their lawns mowed, their, their uh, fence fixed. Uh, they're going to need just practical things like that. And we want to hear from you too. You might have a neighbor next door and their, their grass is a mile high and all the neighbors are, you know, screaming bloody murder and going, when are you going to? But what they don't know is, you know, maybe a husband or wife is in the hospital or things like that and they just can't get out and mow their lawn. We'll mow lawns. And like I said, this is, this is different. This, this isn't kind of neat and tidy four walls church come in, sing Kumbaya a few times and leave and feel good about ourselves. But we're going to push it. And, and you hear me, some of you, guaranteed, you've you got your phone and your calendar and it's like, skip church that day. <laughs> you know, go check out the church down the street, you know. Guess we're done with Crossroads now. Sorry, it's been nice. But... Uh, I said, we just want to hear from the Lord, hear and, and respond and, and give opportunity to try it and, and test drive it and see what God does. And uh, man, it's going to be good. Yeah. So let's stand. And I just want us to uh, end this service just kind of with an exclamation point of offering ourselves to the Lord. Um, I want our altar team to come down to the front and here's the thing that I want us to do. This is your project for this week, okay? And if you attend class on Wednesday or that uh, life, one of the life groups, what you're gonna hear is kind of step one is, believe it or not, some of y'all live where you live and you don't know your neighbor's names. And I mean like whether you live in an apartment or you live up in town or you live on 300 acres out, you know, 30 miles from here, you got neighbors. And what I mean, we're not talking about the concept of neighbor. I'm talking your neighbors. And just for a second, just close your eyes for a second, okay? And I want you to stand at your front door looking out of your house or out of your apartment or wherever it is. Just stand at your front door. Picture yourself there. Who's the neighbor in front of you? And they could be a mile away or they can be 10 feet away across the hall. I want you to just pray for them right now. Lord, whether you know their name, whether you don't, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work in me and through me this week somehow. I want you to think of the neighbor behind you. Once again, a mile away, 30 feet away. You might not even know their name right now. What about the neighbor to your right? As you're looking out your door, the neighbor to your right, who's your neighbor? person on your left here's your homework for this week try to find out their name that's it if you don't know their name just find out their name 
Hi, you're wearing a name tag today. It's name tag Sunday, so we can get to know each other better in here, but maybe let's do kind of a name tag neighborhood this week <laughs> and just find the name of neighbors around you. So Lord, uh, we want to commit ourselves to you. We're, we're embarking on a journey that's uh, just kind of, it, it's birth in your heart. We know that. But we don't want it to be um, contrived. We don't want it to be forced. We don't want it to be manipulated. We truly want it to be a response of, of the love that we've received from you, Lord. And so with that in mind, we want to commit ourselves to you. We want to surrender our, ourselves to you. However you want to use us this week, Lord, just opening up that door that uh, we could even have a conversation over the fence or, or maybe at the end of the driveway as we're taking the trash bins out. Lord, that uh, you would work in us and through us, that we would love our neighbors truly as we love ourselves. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.